If you will join me, the back of your bulletin, um, we'll be reading from Matthew 7 today. Matthew 7, 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Down to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, thank you so much um, for this day. Uh, Lord, thank you for every single person that's here this morning. Um, we just thank you for bringing them um, here to fellowship with us. Um, Lord, I just thank you uh, for this community um, and just the joy and the fellowship that we get to share together. Um, thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning. Um, we just pray that we would be receptive and open to the truth that you have for us. Um, Lord, and we just thank you uh, for your grace that abounds so freely um, through your son. Lord, be with Brian as he speaks. Um, just fill him with your presence. Um, Lord, that he would be speaking truth um, and wisdom to us. Um, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, good morning, everyone. want to invite you to uh, grab your Bible or the bulletin uh, in which the passage is on this morning. I will be brief this morning, abbreviated sermon, and then I will invite up um, a handful of people, one at a time, to um, share their testimony, share their story about why they want to be baptized and give their life to Jesus. So we want to have most of our attention be on that this morning. Before we do that, though, I want to encourage you to draw your attention to the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the most important sermon in the Bible. It's the sermon that Jesus gives when he launches his ministry. And um, it is worth your while. It is worth time and effort to study it and read it. This morning, though, because it's just a few minutes, I'm going to look at the very end of the sermon and focus our attention on the very last few thoughts that Jesus has about the sermon. And here is his main point at the very end of the sermon. That you must make a choice in life. That you must make a decision on whether to follow Christ or not. And if we're honest and thoughtful people, we know that these are some of the most challenging words that Jesus says to us. If we're honest, we can't dismiss them lightly because they're hard words. And it forces us to make a decision. Many of us don't like making decisions. We like to say, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Whatever is most convenient. Whatever is easiest, right? I can remember talking to uh, people in their 20s and they're dating. And, and one of the things that I've heard young women say to me is this. 
I just wish the guy would make a decision, right? This, we're going here or there, but somebody's going to make a decision. So making decisions can be difficult, but Jesus pushes us to make a decision. If you ask yourself this, when is it easy to make a decision? When are decisions clear and easy? Well, it's when one alternative is clearly better than the other. So, for example, if I were to say, hey, church, instead of doing baptisms across the street, we're going to have a choice. We can all drive to the Inland Empire, or we can walk across the street and do baptisms. Right? So I've got this great pool in the Inland Empire. It's going to take us two hours to get there, or we can do this. Well, that's easy, right? One is clearly better than the other. Decisions in life are, are easy when we are presented with those options. When does life get hard? When do decisions get hard? Well, it's when this one alternative over here has a few good things, and this one over here has a few good things. And that's the dilemma that we face. Let me just show you. I'm just going to... Uh, we're not going to read the Sermon on the Mount this morning, but I'm just going to point out a few things about this. Because Jesus says that we must make a choice in our lives. And here's what he says about making choices. He says this in the Sermon on the Mount, that there are two treasures in life, one that's heavenly and one that's temporary. One that's material things, one's eternal things. And he says this, choose. Where will your heart be? You must make a choice. There's two masters. There's God or there's money. Choose. Who will you serve? You cannot serve both. There are two ambitions in life. Your own personal comfort, your own desires, your own will, or as Jesus taught us to pray in his prayer, thy will be done. We must make a choice. In the passage that we read this morning, there are two houses. And it's a picture of your life. Your life represents the house. Choose. Are you going to build your life on the sand or are you going to build your life on the rock? And so this gets harder because we know that there are things about Christianity that we like. There are things maybe we like when, when Jesus speaks about relationships, when he says things like, it's better to forgive people than to hold grudges, to live in bitterness. Like we, we, we kind of like that. We understand how that works. That's good for life. When Jesus talks about money and generosity, I don't like that part so much. That part is harder for me. Some of you are the opposite. Generosity is very easy. I love to be generous with my, my money, but I love to hold on to my bitterness. I love to hold on to my resentment. What Jesus says in this passage is this, is we have to make a choice, a full heart commitment. And Jesus says this in verse 13, if you have your Bible or the handout. He says this, there are two gates. There are two ways. One is narrow and one is broad. And he says this, there is no neutral as I started reading and studying this week, I found that how much my natural inclinations are to be neutral. Don't force me to make a choice. Don't force me into a corner. Don't force me, Jesus, to make um, a commitment one way or the other. Do you know what we like? We like our options open. We like flexibility. 
We like ease. We like to do what's best for us at that particular moment. And so let's look for just a moment at this broad road that Jesus talks about. He says this in chapter 7, verse 13. He says, enter the narrow gate, for the gate, enter by the narrow gate. And then the second part, he says this, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. So there's two ways, there's two gates. Let's look at this way that's wide and easy. Why would he say that? What is it that makes this way wide and easy? The wide way is filled with people. It's filled with convenience. It's filled with personal preference. It's filled with people doing life their way. It reminds us that the crowd is not always right. How easy is it to go with the crowd? Think about our natural instincts. To be the person who stands alone, who goes against the crowd, takes courage. And Jesus is encouraging us to think carefully about our lives. That the easy way, the convenient way, isn't always the way we want to live our lives. Think about this in, in your professional life for a moment. Because we understand this in many areas of our lives. That if you always go the easy way in your professional life, if you only do what's convenient and fun and simple, you won't progress professionally. You know professionally that there has to be a part of your life that you go down the hard road. You make things, you make choices that are hard because you know there's a future benefit. Jesus is saying the same thing spiritually. <clears throat> that while the wide road is a gentle downhill, you can just barely pedal and you go, it's easy, it's convenient, it works. But Jesus says this, it leads to some place. He says it leads to destruction. And those who entered are many. These are some of the hardest words that Jesus speaks. Because he's pushing us to make a decision. After giving this Sermon on the Mount and giving people a contrast of how to live our lives, he comes down to this point where he says, make a choice. There's a free will aspect to Christianity where you get to choose the direction of your life. The alternative is the narrow road. And that encourages, to, that encourages us to remember this, that we don't ever look to the crowd to determine our path of discipleship. That we always look to Christ. That we always look to Him. That there is a way to live our life that looks good to ourselves. But Jesus says this, that there is a there is a way that at first looks hard, but leads to beauty, leads to stability. And that's why he gives this analogy of the house. He says, if you go down the narrow way, if you go down my way, it will produce a life that can endure, that will lead to beauty, that will lead to stability. But the narrow gate requires something. It requires repentance. It requires that you leave something behind. It's narrow. For many years, when I was a school teacher, we would take students to New York City, and one of the things we would do is we would take them on the subway. And in classic eighth grade boy fashion, they would do the opposite of what I said. So we'd be underground, getting ready on the subways, we'd pass out these little tickets, and I'd say to the class, one at a time, through those little narrow turnbuckle, I'm not sure what they're actually even called, when you flip through the dial, thank you, one at a time. 
Okay, so what do the boys do? Swipe it fast and two at a time go through. And then it goes jar, and then an alarm goes off, and then just chaos, a person has to come and reset it, right? One at a time, narrow. Jesus says this, that if you want to go down the narrow road, it requires radical repentance. And what does that mean? It means you leave your old life behind. That means you leave the priorities of your old life behind. The things that were so important to you are no longer important to you because of who you are in Christ. You're building a new life. A new life that can withstand the challenges of life. That can withstand the discouragement and the depression and the hard things that come in life. Jesus says there's a way to live your life that at first is narrow, but leads to something more beautiful. There's a broad way. There's an easy way where most people go that leads to destruction. And so this morning, my hope and my prayer, and, and, and I mentioned the, uh, this to the people who are getting baptized this morning, is that when you look at the life of Jesus, one of the things you notice that happens right after his baptism is he goes into the wilderness, into a time of testing and trial. And I want to remind all of us as a church family, whether you're getting baptized this morning or not, that there is a part of life that include trials and temptations and hard things. And Jesus is teaching us here in the Sermon on the Mount that you must make a choice in your life of who you will follow. Will you follow Christ in a way that leads to beauty and stability and the good things of life? Or the easy way, your way, the convenient way, the way that seems right to you? One of the distinguishing marks of a Christian is not just an emotional connection to Jesus. It's not showing up to church and volunteering for things. It's not knowing necessarily just even the right beliefs. But one of the distinguishing marks of a true Christian is surrendering your will to Christ. And that's why I won't read it this morning, but that's why in the passage we already read this morning, Jesus warns about people who say all the right things. Lord, Lord, we've done miracles, we've done all these things, but there's still some missing thing. And the distinguishing mark is someone who willfully chooses that I'm going to go down the path of Christ. And even if that means it's a narrow gate, it leads to a beautiful gate. It leads to something beautiful and enduring in life. We need to be a church family, a church community that walks in humility, that walks in understanding, that walks in grace, to support and love each other so that we can enjoy the beautiful life that God wants to give all of us. Um, at this time, I'm going to... Um, invite the people who, who are getting baptized just to be prepared. And so we've, um, we've picked an order, so I think everyone knows the order of that. And I think we're going to use this microphone here. And so here's the plan. I said to them, and, and they've prepared, they've, they're just going to share a couple of minutes about their story and, and why they want to get baptized. And they will, then we will conclude in a worship song, and then we will walk over to uh, Zuma together. And so I, just, I encourage you just to be a participant, to, to share in this experience. Um, there is definitely some courage and some strength of, 
of following Christ to come up here and stand before you all and to share their story of, of why they love Jesus and why they want to get baptized. And so we believe in um, what we would call believer's baptism, that baptism is, is an outward expression of an internal heart transformation, that Jesus Christ has touched your heart and changed your heart, and now you want to follow him. So this morning, I believe um, Brent is first, and then Catherine, and then I might need help. Lindsay, are you, are you number three? Oh, you're second. Okay, thank you. Martin, th thank you. They know the order. So um, Brent, you're right here. I believe Brent is first. So everyone say good morning and welcome to Brent. going to read directly from this. Um, as a kid, I was constantly bullied and my reaction was to retaliate against my parents. The bullying continued all through junior high and high school. In high school, I had the opportunity to be a part of young life and surrounded by Pepperdine students who were trying to slowly speak God's word into my life. But even though young life provided a place where I was being poured into by these Pepperdine students and having some of the best times I can remember, there were still kids in my life. Sorry that made it hard for me to feel accepted, and in turn, I felt the need to take it out on someone. And this time, that someone became God. After high school, I had all of this newfound freedom, no curfew, a car, etc. And I started to abuse those freedoms and stop taking life seriously. I partied too much, and being an adult was not something I had any desire to take part in. I was the center of my world, and all I cared about was what I was doing, was, was doing things that were going to make me happy, and what I would have defined as then fulfilled. My, by my early 20s, I had reached the point where my life was undoubtedly controlled by alcohol. It got to the point where I couldn't handle work and alcohol was destroying my friendships. At 23, I put the bottle down and got sober. September 2nd, 2013 was the day that I started to feel healthy again. But even with that, I began to realize that something was still missing. After being sober for a few months, I had let all of my friends go, friends that really didn't care about me beyond my desire to party. Even my half-hearted attempt at coming to church and trying to make friends eventually fizzled out and I felt empty again. This left me back at that familiar place of having no friends. I still had my family and they kept me going. At the age of 26, I made a new commitment to be a regular church attender. I joined men's group and started actively reading the word and applying it to my life. Something was different this time. I realized that God was God and that he was the one who needed to be first in my life, not me. I was finally at the point where I could realize that God was the one who could save me and fill the empty void in my life, and that's, that's exactly what I needed to ask him to do. God has been chipping away at my heart over the past two years and has been using his word to constantly teach me and draw me closer to him. This summer has been a season of spiritual growth, and things like men's group have played a huge part in that. But a month ago, I just started to have this feeling that something was still missing, but I didn't know what it was. I prayed about it, and immediately I had a clear sense that the Lord was putting the desire to be baptized on my heart. So all of that to say, I'm here today to be obedient to where the Lord has me right now and be baptized as a symbol of the work and salvation that the Lord has done in my life. Thank you, guys. Okay, so as a lot of you know, I wasn't brought up Christian. It was all foreign to me until about four years ago. 
About five years ago, I hit rock bottom, bringing me into a Great Depression for a while. Uh, some days, I could not move off the couch. I would just lay there for hours. Um, I felt worthless and in incapable. I remember so distinctly one afternoon, I took a shower and cried for help on my knees. I cried to God to help me out of this and that I needed him. I said this, is, I said this over and over again, and with tears running down my face in the shower. Um, I remember throughout the course of the next few months of my life, was slowly improving. I felt his presence more guiding me. I knew every great thing that came after was his gift to me. The greatest gift was that he guided me to people who were strong Christian believers. He then introduced me to David, my husband, um, and his family, who showed, me who showed me patiently and openly what the life of a Christian is. I have never experienced such humble and kind-heartedness in my life. I knew this was what Christ was trying to show me. So today I am so excited to be dipped in God's waters, living my life with Jesus Christ, knowing he was sent by God, our Father, to atone for my sins and my uncleanness, uncleanliness, so that I can forever live with him in heaven. I proudly know I will forever need him and will forever follow Jesus Christ for the rest of my life. Um, I'm going to set my timer because I'm an actor, so I might go on and on a bit. Uh, having said that, I usually work with a script, so uh, tonight I'm, or today I'm just going to wing it. Uh, I'm really nervous, um, but I just, I just want to start by saying uh, thank you to the community here. Um, it's... It's you people and your faith and the spirit with which you live your life that attracted me here and kept me here. Uh, my journey to getting baptized today, I guess, started... Um, okay. I told myself I wouldn't get emotional, but... Um, you know, uh, when I was young, my parents divorced, and it, uh, I just spent a lot of time lost and really sad, and um, I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt different. I felt a deep sense of shame, and I ended up going to church, and I met, um, well, actually, through my, my father remarried a woman who is a Christian, and... Uh, for several years, I entered into a relationship with Christ that gave me uh, a healing that that I didn't know was possible, and that got me through a lot of my childhood. But then, um, as other people have talked about, you know, in my teens, I found alcohol and girls, and you know, I just thought that was the answer, and it just really led me to a, a dead end spiritually and my life wasn't working and then when I was 27 I got sober and um, I joined AA and I found God through through 12-step program and by the grace of God I've continued for 16 years however as I opened myself up more to God I, I 
realized I needed a true relationship. Uh, my concept of God was pretty abstract. It was pretty vague, and it was you know it, it helped to an extent, but I felt there was some a deeper part of me that wanted something more, and so. I was weirdly guided here. I didn't intend on coming to church. I thought I was done with that. And Jesus just kept appearing. And, you know, it's really odd, but beautiful. And and um, it's uh, something that I know, having lived my life without Christ, my life just doesn't work. You know, I'll make certain things work, but it never really feels right um and the anxiety and the fear and you know that creeps up ultimately leads me to making really foolish decisions and um i can say today in the short amount of time that i've re-entered into a relationship with christ the 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 wisdom and the guidance and the deep sense of knowing i'm on the right path is undeniable and i i Part of me doesn't want to because I like the wider road. I want to do my thing. I want to, you know, run with the crowd or or not be answerable. Um, but I I want to enter that narrow gate and I want I want to live my life true to the principles that Christ would have me do. And I'm just really already so blessed with the blessings that have come from that decision. And I hope today really helps cement and just galvanizes my commitment because uh, I, I really want to live as a Christian and and share that with the world in whatever way Christ would have me do that too. So thank you. I'm an actor too, just to warn you, but apparently not good with mics. Um, and I'm also a chemist, so it's a weird it's a story for another time. Um, so um, I have a little note so I don't go off script too much. Um, so basically, my name's Catherine Dow. Lamont is my married name. Um, I do not have any spectacular movie-worthy story to share for my conversion. What I do have is a lifelong of connection to God um, at the, around the age of four that I can remember. Uh, I started to feel the presence of something much greater than myself. Um, at that time, my parents were Buddhists, and I was surrounded by Buddhists and grew up kind of in the temple and knew nothing of Christianity, knew nothing of uh, Jesus, or even the word God uh, was not in my vocab. Um, then uh, what happened was when I turned um, 17, um, at that time I was in San Marino High School, and uh, something moved me, because in hindsight, uh, God was calling me the entire time, <laughs> for decades. And so at 17, I decided, okay, I want to seek further. And I found Pasadena Presbyterian Church, and I got myself baptized there. However, um, I learned English at that time about six, seven years, and it was not very well-versed in the church um, sermons at Pasadena Presbyterian was very literary, and it was like words I didn't understand, and um, somehow I missed the truth. <laughs> um, so that 
kind of sizzled away, and I turned God, uh, starting from four, as my secret um, best friend, invisible best friend. And um, that worked for a long time. And then, um, again, many, many, many hints later, uh, three, let's say, 2015, um, God decided to go, well, you are just not taking my gentle hints. So let us put you through boot camp for the soul. Um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, it was the most aggressive kind. <laughs> At my age, my uh, oncologist actually said, you're the only person that I know at your age gets this. And I was like, oh, good. <laughs> um, but, but God also gave me the fabulous UCLA doctor team that actually saved my life. But before that, during one of my most difficult chemo, um, I felt Jesus again because I felt like I was going to die. <laughs> okay, I wasn't supposed to cry uh, either. Anyway, so... Um, I knew at that time that if I were to recover, then I want to find a place uh, to, to learn more and to become um, the Christian that I was maybe supposed to be. Um, none of that was really like clear. It was just like a feeling. So, um, and the funny thing is that I've known Tony... Uh, since my son was five, and they are now 16 and a half. Um, so we were, the, my, our boys are best friends. And uh, so it's kind of incredible that, uh, because I know them really well. And Jess, I knew Jess. I knew um, his other uh, beginning girlfriends when he was ready to date again. And, and I knew Jess was it. And so I have a friendship with Jess, and I went to their wedding. I, I come here, and all of those times, not once did I say, hey, maybe I should try their church because it looks really cool. And I know already knew so many people here. And so this little boot camp, um, breast cancer or boot camp for the soul, um, was my, <laughs> my beginning to understand that that God is trying to call me. He's really trying to tell me, you need to do something different. And uh, I believe it was the, about two weeks after my last chemo, um, 2015 in July-ish, um, I stepped in uh, to the worship. And I cannot tell you, the moment I stepped in, I can breathe, my soul can breathe. And Peter and I cried for like three months. <laughs> Everyone hugged me. They, no one judged me. And you continue to support me and love me for whoever I am. And I'm, I'm here to get rebaptized because this time I actually have spent three years learning, going to Bible studies with so many great people here teaching me, holding my hands, being patient with me. And I thank you so much for opening up to be my 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 home my church family and home i did the exact opposite of what i want to do right now
Um, my name is Grace Singer, and um, I'm going to play a song, but I just wanted to tell you a little bit about myself and why I'm here. I, um, I come from a, a really broken family, and I already started crying when Catherine was talking, so... <laughs> um, I, uh, I lost my sister in a horrible uh, suicide 12 years ago, and um, for, for whatever reason, God chose me to, to find her. And uh, after that happened, I, I felt like I had to punish myself. I had to hurt myself. And um, in the moment when she died, I... I was raised Jewish, kind of. <laughs> Nothing really was um, solidified, but um, Jesus came into my thoughts when I found her. And that was strange for me because I never thought of Jesus. But I, it, was, it, was, it was weird, and, I, and since it was unfamiliar, I kind of just let it go to the wayside. And I, um, I, can, I punished myself for years. And um, now I'm, I actually, I'm, I live in, I moved away from Malibu and I live up in Monterey. And uh, I came back down here to go to a treatment center for trauma. And um, on my first weekend, my dear friend Julia, who took me in so many times when I was a kid and I didn't have anywhere else to go, she she took me in and she made a real home for me that I could come home to. So she brought me here. I'm sorry. She brought me here with her and her son, her son Tom. And I'm, I didn't know that I would open my heart, but I just said, you know, I'm going to open my heart to Christ and I'm going to see what it feels like. And I opened it and he just rushed right in. He rushed in and ever since then... He hasn't gone away, and it's been hard, and I've been working really hard in my therapies to, to understand my path, but it, it's with the salvation of Christ that I've really found true healing, and uh, I've, I've silenced my voice because I didn't think it was important that it should be heard, and so uh, just last week, knowing in anticipation of today, I wrote, I wrote a song. I tried to write a song, and... I haven't written a song in a really long time. And um, I said, I'm just going to write this song with God in mind. And it just came in. It just, everything just came out. Less than an hour, the song was written. And um, <laughs> it's still fresh and raw, so bear with me. But I'm going to play it for you if that's all right. <laughs> Thinking about my new ways, throwing out the old waste. Every day I wake, it's you. Pride's a prison I can't keep, softer words I must speak. Every time I shake, it's you. 
Oh, the arrows in my eyes got me feeling hypnotized. The only clear path I can follow is you, is you. Prove me wrong or prove me right. It don't matter when I feel the light. The only truth that I can swallow is you, is you. Never a problem that can't be solved in how to be less self-involved. Every price I pay is you. Creature of comfort and security, the only desire I will ever need. Every time I pray, it's you. Oh, the arrows in my eyes got me feeling hypnotized. The only clear path I can follow is you, is you. Prove me wrong or prove me right. It don't matter when I feel the light. The only truth that I can swallow is you, is you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.